Hello, and welcome to The Writing Forge, where we discuss tips and tricks for honing your writing. I'm Bonnie. I'm Miranda. And we're your hosts. Let's Let's get get into it. it. All right, well, welcome back to The Writing Forge, everyone. I'm Bonnie. I'm Miranda. And today we have Melanie Peffer with us. Um, We're going to talk about how to leverage your life to strengthen your writing. But first, Melanie, why don't you introduce yourself and... Tell us how you got to the writing world. Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Melanie Peffer. I'm author of Biology Everywhere. So I've had a long relationship with writing. I always loved writing when I was a kid. And then I went into the sciences and writing became a a boring, um, not fun chore. And so um, I, I realized into I realized a few years ago that it was time to make a career shift, and that's when I wrote my book, Biology Everywhere, um, started my own consulting business. And so now I do mostly science communication work. Um, I help people learn how to write for the general public about science, so I do workshops, and I also do commissions where people want to learn how to translate their um, science content for a general public audience and then still write books. So I just had my first kid's book come out. I do blogs. So it's a lot of fun, and that's how I got into writing as a career. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, so we wanted to talk about a little bit, like, we initially our idea was, like, turning your career into writing, but then you pointed out, like, it was a whole lot more than just your career, so um, turning your whole life into what you write about. So let's, let's start by talking about this idea that gets thrown around a lot that's write what you know. What does that mean? Write what you know. Uh, I feel like for most people, it's right what you have experienced. Mm. But I also feel like that it's very narrow. Mm. Um, so for so for because a lot of people are like, how do I only write what I know? Because it's not like I've ever done magic before. <laughs> so how if I only wrote what I knew, it would you know I would ne- fantasy wouldn't exist. It would be an autobiography. Yeah, it would be an autobiography. It would just be about me and. Uh, and I think it's more like, okay, sure, but you know about heartbreak and you know about like the different kinds of heartbreak, like reaching for something and then falling short or successes, like reaching for a goal and then finally accomplishing it. And so, and so for me, write what you know is supposed to be more about the feeling of a thing rather than, rather than specifically the thing. But that is that is me. What do you think about write what you know? I don't know. I don't know how much of it is write what you know. There's certainly a, a level of doing that, especially as someone who's authored a science book. Yeah. So it was a lot of <laughs> science content that I know. And a lot of my social media posts are based on science content that I know. But I also feel like there's a place for writing when it's about what you care about, what mm-hmm. you want to share the yeah. stories that you have. You know, my son is always telling stories and I always, and I'm like, please keep telling us your stories. I love to hear your stories. And is that something he knows? I guess it, it's getting philosophical about what, <laughs> how do you know what you know something? Um, but a lot of my writing too, isn't just about things that I know, but things that I've experienced or things that I, I feel like are important to share. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've written publicly several times about my miscarriages because I think we need to talk more about women's health and these things that happen so that we can change the messaging and, and support women better and get better health care. Mm-hmm. What about you, Bonnie? What does write what you know mean to you? Um, yeah, I like, I like where you were going with the, like, the deeper aspects of something like like your son's stories like they all are I assume they all have like some kernel something made him think of it right and so it doesn't yeah it's not just literally the the things that you've experienced word for word but 
but the the feelings and um, messages, yeah. themes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Felix likes to tell us stories about his dog named Happy, and Happy is an imaginary dog. And so this morning he was telling me about this time that he and his dog named Happy found baby tornadoes. Oh. He's like, okay, love the creativity here. That's I don't know great. where that's coming from, but lovely. That's adorable. That's awesome. I want to know about baby tornadoes I now. Know. <laughs> Are they just messing up his room? Are they anyway? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay. let's let's get a little concrete, a little yeah. more concrete, and talk about um, what can how can you turn specifically your your day to day career into interesting things for readers? I feel like this is a super relevant question for you, Melanie, because that's exactly what you did. Yeah, so a lot of biology everywhere is a different take on biology because usually we think about biology as being lots of facts and and. Um, the stuff that has to be memorized, and it just feels very boring and abstract. And when I was teaching non-majors biology, and these students were just terrified to take (laughs) biology, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. They were afraid of my course. They didn't think they were smart enough to do it. You know, that wasn't just my students. There's a lot of research on this. A lot of people, the general public, feel this way. Um, But when I went into the classroom and started presenting it as, here's things that I see as part of my daily life, you know, it completely changed their attitudes towards biology. So we went from the beginning of the semester where students were saying, I hate biology, I'm not good at this, to the end of the semester where I was getting emails and notes on their homework and on my student Mm -hmm. email saying, this was my first positive experience I've ever had in a science class before. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that came from just being creative and where do we see these things? My husband's always laughing at me because when we're out, you know, (laughs) hiking or on vacation, I'm like, oh, I have to take a picture of that. I have to share that with my students. Um, But it's that idea and that's where a lot of my biology of our mysteries have come from too is that I find things and I'm out and about and I take a picture of it and then post it online. Um, We did a really fun one when we were in Alaska a couple of weeks ago because there's amazing biodiversity and so you see a lot of animal signs. And so I posted a picture of a pile of salmon bones from a bear and it was like who was here? (laughs) It was a biology guess who. We had a I found a bunch of porcupine quills, and we found some logs that beavers had chewed on. And this whole idea that if you know where to look, you see all these really interesting things, and that you know, when biology is presented that way, it's these interesting things that we see every day. It's not so scary. It doesn't feel so abstract. It feels more accessible. And my argument is always that if biology is more accessible, people are going to be more ready to engage with it. And so when big things come up, whether they're ballot issues or decisions on what you make at the grocery store, it's a lot easier to sit and engage with it. Well, and I like that too, making everything accessible. I feel like for any career, that is that is the ultimate goal is making, or maybe not, depending on which career you have. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it hinges on people not understanding you. <clears throat> Lawyers. Are you a spy? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. We just had a talk last season with a very lovely lawyer yes. who was more than happy to clarify lots of things for us. It was great. But, you know, yeah, spies, I don't know. <laughs> but I feel I feel like making something accessible is 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 what helps you connect to the humanity of something and how it relates to your life or how it relates to your worldview. And so, I would I like that. I think that is applicable you remind in a lot me of, of different places oh, sorry go ahead you reminded me of the the tv show numbers i used to like that show and, and in their little intro the the line was we all use math every day and every time now that i come across math in the real world i think about that line and so i like you you're saying like just being open to to thinking about how does this relate to math or biology or fantasy novels mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, it can help you with characterization too, right? Like have more diverse character 
backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Like not everybody is a master sorcerer. Like, <laughs> like uh, maybe you could have, you know, a fantastical pest exterminator or, <laughs> or, you know, take, take a strange and slightly unusual profession, maybe yours and yeah. <laughs> turn it make it more interesting i mean how many how many mystery novels are there out there where it's someone of a random profession solves a murder and and uses the skills of that profession and Mm -hmm. i I think most of those are probably written by someone who did that profession before so probably (laughs) it's really interesting to look at the biographies on the back of novels and see what the other background is or what they worked in before they started writing or while they were starting to write Mm -hmm. and how that that influences the plot points and the things that come up. Um, I think about Deborah Harkness who wrote the uh, Discovery of Witches trilogy and she's a university professor and the main character is a university (laughs) professor. Yes. And it just adds this. There's a lot of little Easter eggs in there about being in academia that always crack me up when I read the book. (laughs) You're like accurate. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, So your, your children's book, is that, is that a fiction fiction book so it's it's got a bunch of biology facts in there and i had to write a fiction wrapper for it mm-hmm. which was very difficult for me that was oh, completely yeah. new skill set for me because I, I you know i've done federal grants and i've done <laughs> adult books and blogs and academic papers but man i tell you writing a kid's book was the hardest thing i think i've ever written so how did you um how did you approach that a lot of editing. <laughs> okay, that's a good answer. Yeah, that's I, editor loves that answer. Yeah, yes. Um, so I started, I spent a lot of money on editing. Um, the editing cost almost as much as the illustrations did because I had so many back and forth with the editor to try and get it right. And even now when I read it out loud, I'm like, you know what, I still feel like this could have been cut back some more. Um, but it's it's hard to see how it translates as a kid's book. Even though I read them out loud, I spend at least 30 to 60 minutes every day reading kids' books to my son. And so it's like, I should know what this should sound and feel like, but I still feel like even though the book isn't perfect, because what book is perfect? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really pleased with how it turned out um, when I've read it with story times. Kids really like it because it's designed to be super interactive. So, And so one one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is you were saying that you were trying to make biology accessible, right? Was that a need that needed to be filled in the science community that you wrote the book specifically to fill that need? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something I talk quite a bit about in my TED Talk as well, that we don't have a choice but mm-hmm. to engage with biology. Hmm. And the COVID-19 pandemic really brought that to the front and center because everybody had to make biologically minded decisions just about every day. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from what activities you would engage in, are you going to wear a mask? What kind of mask are you gonna wear? What are you gonna do with your kids in school? Are you going to homeschool? I mean, there's all these questions and that's, that's just one example. Um, so we're here recording in Colorado, and the decision to reintroduce gray wolves was on the ballot. Was mm. that, what, a year and a half ago yeah. now? Something like that, yeah. You know, that's a big biology decision. So, you know, those are just examples. We don't have a choice but to engage with it. And when people feel like they can't do it or they aren't smart enough or they don't want to because they think it's just stupid and boring, it's so much easier to just be like, oh, I'm just going to live it, listen to my favorite talking head, and I'm going to go with what my political party says I'm going to do without actually sitting and engaging with it. And mm-hmm. something I've always told my students is like, you know, I'm never going to tell you how you should vote, yeah. but I want you to be able to sit down and think through it and feel confident in your ability to think through it and be able to look at sources and say what's a good source or not so that you can make a educated decision. Because mm. that's what we really need to kind of change the needle with so many different um, public health issues right now. Yeah. So what brought you to, so you had that need, what made you decide, well, I'm going to write a book 
to, to, to take over. Yeah, absolutely. So there was two reasons why I wrote my book. And the first was is that I had that experience teaching the non-majors biology. And I wanted to take that teaching approach that works so well with the students and be able to bring it to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. And the second was is that I needed to make a career shift. And so I wanted to get a business started, and I was talking to someone, and he said, you know, you should really take your ideas and put them in a book. Because when you market a book, you market yourself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that has resulted in my first few clients that came into my consulting company because they found biology everywhere and read it and said, okay, hey, can you come in and do this workshop? Can you come in and do this public speaking thing? Will you come be on our podcast? You know, it's just <laughs> it's just kind of built up from, from there. Nice. And so... To someone who may possibly be looking for that, uh, how would you say to another professional, either science or not, like how how does one go about finding these gaps in their industries? Or is it something that you look for? Or is it just something that you experience and then decide to do something about? Like how how would... Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think it comes down to perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and with scientists, if there's scientists listening to this, it can be really difficult because in, in for the sciences, like if you're writing a grant or something, you have to explicitly say what the gaps are. Uh-huh. So I feel like a lot of scientists know what the gaps are. And the problem is, is that a lot of people don't appreciate scientists preaching down from the ivory tower. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's why books from the academic sector can fail and they'll get published in a university press and then no one will ever read them Mm. Um, because it's just like, you know, this is too preachy. It's not the best way to go about filling the gap. And so that's that whole idea of you have to meet your audience where they are. That's Mm -hmm. something I say a lot in my public outreach. And that's what I try to do with biology everywhere. Mm -hmm. Is I was specifically trying to reach the people who are like, I don't want to have anything to do with a biology book. Um, (laughs) And that was also one of the, the, um, covert aims of my kids book Mm. is that parents who don't like science will buy science books for their kids Mm. so because they want to do better for their kids yeah but everybody likes picture books I love picture books and (laughs) so you're getting at the parents too of this oh yeah you know I can really that was something a lot of people said that um, had read the earlier versions of my manuscript or like oh I can really relate to the kid in this book who doesn't like science (laughs) nice (laughs) that's great I think we're out of time for today but uh it's been a great conversation, and hopefully this will um, help some of our listeners be inspired to to just take what they know and, and fill in a gap in the market. Yeah. Um, so question for our listeners to, to reply to us on social media. Question for our listeners. What is a particular gap that you have noticed in your industry? Hmm. Um, and is that something that you think can be filled by a book, or... Is there some other medium that you think might help audiences relate to your profession a little more? True. It doesn't have to be a book. So, awesome. Thank you for joining us today, Melanie. Thank you for having me. Stay sharp, my friends. Stay sharp. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Writing Forge, a Writing Heights podcast brought to you by Nagano Press. To learn more about The Writing Forge, check out our social links in the episode description. Subscribe to The Writing Forge wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. For more informational writing content, be sure to become a Writing Heights member.